Hi everyone, and welcome to my sauntering podcast. My name is Paul White, and I live in a gorgeous place called Weymouth. And this podcast is a collection of saunters that were born in lockdown, but it's also got some additional stuff which is just fresh, hot off the press. praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. Good morning beautiful saunterers and I am not allowed out so I have no idea what it's like outside. I think it's moderately sunny um, hey, we're on chapter 18 of Genesis today, and it's coming to you from my prison cell. <laughs> and uh, here we go. So let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We ask you to come and help us and speak to us in the middle of whatever, whatever our lives are throwing at us, whatever we're dealing with, Lord, we welcome you to come and be with us today, and be our God. Holy Spirit, we love you. We welcome you. Amen. Good morning, Fran. Great to see you. So, Genesis 18. Here we go. So, this is really interesting. This chapter is so dense. I'm going to kind of rattle on through it, but there's so much to say, and it's it's a very foundational chapter for lots of reasons. Good morning, Johnny Sardison. And uh, so it uh, seems to be right on the back of Abraham's last encounter that we were talking about yesterday. The Lord seems to show up again almost immediately. So after 13 years of nothing, he seems to get two visits in a couple of in a few short days. Good morning, Alison and Fliss. And so it says the Lord appeared to him by the Oaks of Mamre. Now, we should never underestimate what this just in that little statement, the Lord appeared to him. That is just so incredible, isn't it? The Lord appearing to somebody in real life. Wow. There we are. The invisible God becoming visible. And um, many would say that this is Jesus a theophany, an appearance of the second person of the Trinity in the Old Testament. And as we read on through, we certainly can see that there was something familiar about this, that, you know, this this person who appeared before Abraham and he kind of knew it was God. There wasn't any kind of mistake. And so the Lord, Yahweh, or Jehovah, depending on how you pronounce it, appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre, as he sat down at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from his tent door to meet them. Now, it was customary, and still is, in nomadic um, cultures, if a, if a person passes by your tent, you should invite them in, and you should show them hospitality, 
and feed them and so on. And um, Abraham is doing that. But there's something more going on here, isn't there? He jumps up. He's an old man. He jumps up and he runs. He's a hundred. 99 or something like that. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, Pat and Mike. Good morning, Flor. Buenos dias. And so he runs to them when he sees them. He ran to the tent door to meet them and bowed himself in the earth and said, O oh Lord, if I have found favour in your sight, do not pass by your servant. My Lord, O oh Lord, my Lord. He's saying, you are my vast superior. I bow at your feet. I'm an old man. I'm worthy of respect in any culture in the world. And yet here I am bowing at your feet and saying, my Lord. So he says, um, if I have found favour in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves and after that you may pass on since you have come to your servant. And they said, so they said, do as you have said. <laughs> Listen to this. Right. This is an understatement. Right. He says, I'll get some water to wash your feet and a, a morsel of bread so you can just be refreshed and have something nice to eat. And and and. <laughs> But listen to what happens. So right straight on the back of the morsel of bread statement, he says. Uh, so um, and Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, quick, three seers of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham, Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf tender and good and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them and they stood by them under the tree while they ate now that's a lot of work a seer according to my reckoning is 7.7 liters of flour so that's kind of it's a lot of flour, isn't it? It's 20 something litres of flour that they're making into bread or cakes. They've got this whole calf. You can't just kill and skin and prepare and cook a calf in 10 minutes. This is a project. It's going to take a few hours. And I'm sure Abraham knew exactly what was going on. He's thinking, if God is coming by my house, I'm going to slow him down as long as I possibly can and have him stay as long as he possibly will. So I'm sure Abraham knows that God is God and God's time scales are not ours. And if God's moving on, he's moving on. So there's nothing you can do about it. But I'm sure there was something of the a mixed in with the Eastern hospitality is a desire to just delay God. Now, I think that is a very good lesson to us. If we forget all the other lessons, what we should say is when the presence of God comes near us, let's delay him and hold on to that moment as long as we can. When we become consciously aware of his presence, let's delay him, hold him. Just host his presence, welcome him 
into our home, welcome him, delay him, say, God, oh, you're here, stay, stay, stay. When we come together to worship him, we become aware of his presence. Let's not just gallop on to the next thing because we've got to do the notices or we've got to take the offering. Let's just, oh, God, come, 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 stay, 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 stay a while with us. And so Abraham is, he, now there's also an interesting thing as well that he gets curds and milk and serves them with the animal which which would not be kosher to serve milk and meat at the same meal and so anyway here he goes so he's not particularly following the kosher rules because he don't know about them and uh, so it seems though that Sarah and Abraham are quite intimately involved in this process of getting the meal ready and I love that that there's an energy and a kind of commitment on their part to get this done and to host the presence of God, rather than just saying, oh yeah, you sit there and my servants will look after you, blah, 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 which I guess he could have done. But he knows this is an important moment because God's showed up. And uh, so he, and then <laughs> I've been in some cultures where they serve you food and watch you eat it. <laughs> it's a little bit disconcerting <laughs> because you think, oh gosh, I feel, I feel kind of, um, I, I feel slightly self-conscious now because you've gone to all the trouble of making this food for me and you're not even eating. And so I kind of would say to them, are you going to eat as well? And they say, oh yeah, we'll eat in a minute, you know, and all this kind of thing. And you kind of think, oh. <laughs> and, and actually this is precisely what's going on. These Abraham and Sarah, they're not eating. They're waiting while the guests eat. And they're really, what they're doing is they're honouring them. And of course, what the, what the people my hosts were doing was honouring me, I guess we're just not very honouring in our country and our culture, and I think we've got a lot to learn. And I'm just going to say that I wish that there was a bit more of this kind of Eastern hospitality going on in our country, in our culture, because it just gives people the value of special guest and honoured guest and all of this kind of thing. And it's not just words, is it? It's beautiful. And verse eight, uh, I can't see from my glasses. Verse nine, they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And she said, sorry, he said, she's in the tent. And the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And I don't forget, he's just said not very long ago that in about a year's time, Sarah's going to be holding her own child. But now he's saying, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham, Abraham, sorry, I've got so used to saying, whoopsie, Abraham, that I, not saying Abraham now. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years, just in case you'd forgotten, guys. These people are old. <laughs> so the Bible narrative is really clear. We need to get this. In Hebrews 11, it says, and so from this one man, and he as good as dead. I mean, it doesn't mess about. This is an old guy and an old lady, but they're still beautiful. She's, she was gorgeous, I'm sure, even in her 90s. And Sarah listening, so she was listening at the tent door behind him. Incidentally, just a little word to the wise Canvas is acoustically transparent, so anything you say in a tent can be heard outside. Anything you say outside a tent can be heard inside. Hey, good morning, Ruth. 
Great to see your pictures. I hope you're having a wonderful time. Good morning, Paul Skelton. Great to see you too. And uh, so <laughs> listen to this. So Sarah's here listening behind the tent door, which is actually just a piece of canvas or goat skin or camel skin or something. But, and so now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. That means, to put it bluntly, she'd stop menstruating. She'd come to the menopause. All of that cycle of life that a woman has to contend with for so many years had stopped. And it's a pain when it's happening, but I think it's also sad when it stops. It's one of those things. I'm not a woman. I'm just kind of going on what my ladies in the in my life have told me, people I know. So not my ladies personally, people I know. Uh, sorry, stop digging the hole, Paul. And right, and the, the um, so the way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself saying, am I? Worn out, sorry, after, gosh, I'm not reading well. After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? So she's saying, are we going to be making love like a couple of newlyweds at this age of our lives? I don't know whether they stopped all that and um, packed all that in <laughs> or whether it was still a thing that happened, but Sarah wasn't particularly... Uh, uh, anyway, let's move on before I get in trouble with somebody. And so, so she says, well, you know, and my Lord is, oh, shall I have pleasure? I guess there's also not just the pleasure of making love, but the pleasure of having a child after all those years of longing and waiting. Will this joy come to my life after all? And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and shall I and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Now the word there for hard is wonderful. So what he, what the angel is saying to her, or the Lord is saying to her, the, so that, well, it's, here it's the Lord, it's not the angel. So the Lord is saying to her, is anything too wonderful for the Lord? You know, when we have in Isaiah, wonderful counsellor, it's the same word. We call it wonderful there, not hard. This is, the, the Lord is saying, is, there, is anything too wonderful for me to do? What are you saying, Sarah? And and uh, so why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year and Sarah shall have a son but Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, no, but you did laugh. And I love this. I just try and work out, because we imagine God with a scary face on, maybe, or God being quite kind of, I don't know, serious. But I wonder whether God looked at her and said, you did laugh, Sarah, and gave her a bit of a kind of knowing wink. Yes, Sarah, you did laugh, and actually... So what? Because it's going to be a, not just one laugh. Everyone's going to laugh when they hear this story. And we're going to call the boy laughter just to kind of underline all of that. So rather than kind of uh, censoring Sarah's humanity, it's almost like God is entering into the big chuckle with her and saying, let's call his name Isaac anyway, 
so we can bring it all out into the open that everyone had a laugh and there was quite a bit of unbelief about when I introduced this concept to you guys. So um, I, I love it to me. To me, it just is God in his connection with us in such a beautiful, intimate way, being so real and embracing of our humanness. So not only does he make covenants with us, which is our language, but he also um, he also laughs with us and he shares the, the, the amusement in the situation with us. And this is an amusing situation. And goodness me, it's hysterical that someone of this age would have a baby through the natural process of making love and all the rest of it that's going on. There's no medical interventions going on here. Good morning, Wills, um, Privyat, Olga, and good morning, Nikki, Rosemary. Great to see you, lovely saunterers. Um, then, verse 16, then the men set out from there and they looked down towards Sodom and Abraham went with them to set them on their way. So Abraham is extending this courtesy past the meal and he's seen them on their way just to the just down the road, seeing them off the premises. Um, and so the men headed towards Sodom. Um, the Lord said, verse 17, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, OK, let's pause there. Right. So God is on a mission. So he stopped by Abraham's house. He's reinforced his promise to them and underlined the due date. And had a bit of a chuckle with Sarah and <laughs> everything's going on well, but he's on a mission. He's stopped by en route to Sodom and Gomorrah. And then he pauses and reflects as if God has ever been unsure what to do. But there's this little moment where we're in where we're introduced to God's um heart towards Abraham really and he says no I'm not going to keep this from Abraham because and listen to the because seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation so we've heard that haven't we we've heard that actually that he's going to become nations and that kings plural nations will come from him we've heard that but now he's saying he will become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Right. So he's saying, I've got a purpose for Abraham. And that is that all every single nation in the world would be blessed through him. So it's not just one nation that's going to be blessed, i.e. the great nation that he becomes, but through him and his offspring. And we know there's one particular offspring that is the key one that is all building up towards. But every nation is going to be blessed through him. Um, and verse 19, for I have chosen him that he may command his children or instruct his children, teach his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice 
so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. This is really profound, really important. He's saying this exalted father, this exalted father who I have promoted to be a father of multitudes. I've chosen him for this particular purpose because he's going to command his household. Now, we've already seen that in uh, in that he trained his young men into an army even before <coughs> he had any children of his own. He had been discipling and teaching and instructing and raising up a household of righteousness to God, even though he didn't have any children of his own biologically. But now God is saying, I've seen him and I know that this is what he's going to do. And I've called him because this is what I've called him to do. This is what he's like. This is what he's going to be like. And with God is he didn't just go through Abraham's CV because back then when God called him, Abraham didn't have a CV. And now he's got a history of walking with God and God has been training him. But God has been making him, raising him up to be a father who trains a household, who disciples a whole household. And you and I as parents, God has called us not just to train one or two, but to uh, everyone who comes into our house. They come into our environment that we're the custodians of that we're stewarding and we're establishing values and principles of the kingdom in our home that our children hopefully will inherit and will walk in and become established in whilst they're in our whilst they're in our care and then they'll go out from there and extend that into the world so this is this is what god is looking for in abraham this is what god is excited about in abraham and this is why god is now bringing him into his Council. He's including him in a very, very strategic, important decision that he's about to carry out. And the words there, righteousness and justice, are tzedakah, righteousness, and mishpat, justice. And they're like the twin qualities of God's rule and God's kingdom righteousness and justice, righteousness and justice. And And he's going to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. So this is what God is um, affirming in Abraham right now. And so then the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. So God is saying, listen, I've heard about the wickedness of these two cities. I'm going down there now to check it out for myself, although I'm sure God didn't need to. I'm sure God understood and knew fully. But there's something in this for Abraham. This is about Abraham engaging with God on a strategic level. So the men turned from there and went towards Sodom, but Abraham still stood before the Lord. So these two guys who are with the Lord have gone on. They've headed off and Abraham is delaying the Lord and having a conversation with him. And when then Abraham drew near and said, will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who are in it? 
far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is right? And the Lord said, so right, Abraham is now engaging in what we call intercession. He's discussing in fact he's arguing with the lord negotiating with the lord and saying surely not lord because you're just how can you judge the righteous and how can you slay the righteous along with the wicked and the word there for righteous is sadiq so it comes from the same word and we in the word the name sadiq is very popular across the east and it means trustworthy it means friend different things in different languages but it's very common across the east and the dog is going to start barking in a minute so i'm going to just hope she doesn't right um so he says but shall not the judge of all the earth do what is right and the word there for just is mishpat so um he says, shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And so Abraham is kind of negotiating with God, but he's still saying, Lord, I know that you're, you're the judge of all the earth and you're going to do what's just in this situation. You're going to bring mishpat in this, in this situation. But he's saying, surely, supposing there's 50. Um, and so Abraham answered and said, behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord I, who am but dust and ashes, suppose five of the 50 are righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. Again, he spoke to him and said, suppose 40 are found there. And he answered, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. And then he said, oh, Lord, oh, sorry. Oh, let not the Lord be angry. And I will speak, suppose 30 are found there. He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. He said, behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 are found there. And he answered, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, O Lord, let not, sorry, oh, let not the Lord be angry. And I will speak again, but this once. Suppose 10 are found there. He answered, for the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way. And when he'd finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. This is really, really interesting. So Abraham is saying, God, surely you're not going to destroy the city if there's 50 righteous people there. And God says, no, sure. If there's 50 righteous people there, I won't destroy the city. Now, I'm sure God knew exactly how many righteous people were there. And Abraham's thinking, gosh, that seems a little bit ambitious, 50, because I've, you know, I, I've heard what's going on there. And the rumours and the reputation of the city was bad. And of course, he'd come and rescued the king of Sodom and he from the enemy and so on. He ends up negotiating with God and getting it down to 10 people. And God, and God says, no, if there's 10 righteous people there, I won't destroy the city. Now, um... An RE teacher once asked um, Emily, my daughter, to send a message to me to say, if God is all knowing and all powerful, um, what is the point of praying? <laughs> and and 
and so she, he wanted me to answer it because he was he was quite skeptical about the whole point of it all and and I said that God in all his all knowingness and all powerfulness has chosen to at times limit himself to our prayers and he will allow us to become part of what he's doing and he wants to invite us into that realm of negotiating and praying and engaging with him to bring about his purposes and so sometimes he will act and he will limit himself to respond to what we've asked for. Abraham's faith only stretched down as small as 10 people being righteous in the city and thought I can't hold God up over anymore um, but as it happened there were only four and it turned out that one of them wasn't and there were only three considered to be righteous in the city and so we know the story but we'll come to that but I think for us it's really this is an incredible story God says listen Abraham I've called him because he's going to teach righteousness and justice to his household. And he's going to do that. He's going to demonstrate it and he's going to do it. Um, and But also God is in the process himself of doing righteousness and justice in the form of bringing judgment to two cities that are incredibly corrupt. And their offences have reached up to heaven. Now, we'll talk some more about that tomorrow, um, but it's just profound that God is using this um, engagement with Abraham to make a disciple of the man who is to disciple nations. And so there's a there's an important point there for us as well, that God will teach us and work in our lives the things that he wants us to then propagate and teach as values now it doesn't mean we go around destroying cities but what God is saying to Abraham is that there is a judgment coming on the earth and this is a localized demonstration of it this is something you can see in front of you and Abraham understands a very 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 important truth and remember that we've talked about the different layers of kind of theology that God is and revelation of himself that are coming through these these narrative um, accounts um, and here's one where we understand that God is the judge of all the earth and that he will do justice mishpat justice will come because God is righteous sadiq he is totally righteous and he will do justice mishpat so we'll talk some more. Have an amazing day, you guys, and may God bless you. And I hope we, that wasn't too garbled for you and you could be able to get some really good food for thought. So have an amazing day. God bless you. Lots of love. I am super excited to be able to recommend to you my book, The Christing. It's a whole adventure of digging deep into the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, exploring stories that may be familiar to us, but just seeing how the power and the beautiful, rich treasure of the Holy Spirit is there on every single page. And my desire as I share my own stories is that we would get caught up in that adventure together of a life 
pursuing the supernatural God where anything becomes possible when we're full of his Holy Spirit. And so my prayer for you as you read this book is that you'll get excited to embark on your own voyage of discovery with him, but more than anything else that you would fall more in love with Jesus. So please, if you have not got a copy, do buy one. You can get it online on all the major um, online bookstores, including Amazon, Eden and others. You can buy it from Christian bookshops. Uh, or you can message me and get your own signed copy. There you go. But do like it and review it because that really, really does help. Thank you so much. <laughs>